Evening, everybody. I'd like to thank you all for coming tonight. Um, next Sunday is the uh, luncheon, and the church-wide luncheon, and there's no evening service. So youth service gets pumped up a week, and it just happens to fall in a time when, when the Lord's Supper is being observed. And so we, we see this as an opportunity to uh, lead um, the adults in, in something that God has commanded all of us to do uh, as believers. So we see this as an opportunity tonight. Tonight, I hope to uh, just give us some perspective on, on why Jesus has asked us to, to observe this. Um, what was so special about Jesus and his sacrifice that was made on our behalf? School has started again, right? It's, it's still September. Everybody's back into the swing of things. Is, is this routine of school, is that, is that back in place? Are you waking up at 6 o'clock, 6.30, 5 o'clock? Okay. I used to wake up at 7.30 and roll out of bed and hop in the car. Uh, so school's back in, and, and how, many, how many tests have you taken in the first 85, says Donna? Okay. Um, you guys have been taking tests your whole life, right? If you're in school, you take tests. That's right, right? Uh, every year, you take tests in school, you get quizzes, and then at the end of the year, you take one big test. You take your final exam. Uh, when you get to the end of high school, some of you aren't quite there yet. Some of you have already made the leap. Uh, but when you get to the end of high school, you take one big test that determines whether you are going to graduate or not, whether you're going to get into college or not. What if, what if you were going to take that test tomorrow? Even if you were in eighth grade and somebody asked you to take that test tomorrow. How would you feel? Would you feel ready? You haven't studied? Plus, they tell you, you need to get 100% on this test, otherwise you are not worthy to graduate because you have been failing the whole year. How confident are you that you will pass this test now? But what if, right when you're about to take the test, the teacher who wrote the test comes in and says, I will take the test for you. The Board of Education has agreed to allow it to count. And you would assume that since they wrote the test, they would know all the answers. They could pull off that 100% for you. Tonight we're going to be looking at a passage from the book of Hebrews chapter 10, and we find the Jews, the Hebrews, who this was written to, in a very similar situation. Uh, all the Jews' life, they had to make animal sacrifices to cover their sins. So every time they sinned, they had to make a sacrifice. Didn't matter what time of year, they were required to make a sacrifice for their sins. These are like the little quizzes, Okay. And then at the end of every year, they had one big day where they would confess all their sins and make another sacrifice for the whole nation. 
This was called the Day of Atonement. All right? This is like the final exam at the end of every year. Every year they had to make this sacrifice called the Day of Atonement, on the Day of Atonement. But then Jesus came and said that the people had failed. They'd been failing the whole time. And that he would make the final sacrifice for them on their behalf. This is like the teacher stepping in and saying, I will take this test for you. God was going to let Jesus take their place because he was the only one who had never sinned. Let's pray tonight before we read our passage. Lord, I thank you for your word. Um, Lord, may, to, may we see tonight the amazing fullness, uniqueness, final, incomprehensible sacrifice that Christ made for us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to read through the first 14 verses here. I'm just going to read straight through them, and then we'll, we'll talk about them for a little bit. Chapter 10, verse 1. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, can never make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and sins you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. And then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. I want us to see at least four things about the sacrifice of Christ in tonight's passage. The first thing is that it is the final sacrifice. It is the final sacrifice. And we see this in verse 2. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? When Jesus came, he was the, the fullness of what the law had pictured. The law that required the Jews to make all these sacrifices, this passage says that was just a shadow. It was not the reality of the things that were to come. So the law was never intended to be the end of sacrifice. 
But Jesus has now come. And so when he is sacrificed, when he offers up himself, this is the final sacrifice. Because in verse 2, he says, you know, if those old sacrifices, if the animal sacrifices were intended to be the final sacrifice, why did they keep offering them? But now that Jesus has come, sacrifice ceases. Jesus' sacrifice, because it is final. And what, what is the big deal? Why does it matter that Jesus' sacrifice is the final sacrifice? Because as we see in verse 3, in the old sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. Jesus' sacrifice frees us from a guilty conscience because it was the final sacrifice. You know, a lot of people try to say that Christianity is bad because it makes people live in fear and guilt for their whole life. But these people misunderstand Christianity totally. Christianity, accepting the sacrifice of Christ, should release us from a guilty conscience, not hold us in bondage to it. Do you feel bad because you can't live up to God's law? Anybody just read the Bible sometimes and say, man, this is impossible. You know what? God knows that you can't live up to it. That was the whole purpose for the law. To show us that we are sinners. That we can't be perfect. But what Christianity does is that it frees us from the guilt of those sins. Because Jesus' sacrifice actually takes away our sin. It says the blood of bulls and goats did not take away sin, but Jesus' sacrifice does. It takes away our sin. It performs surgery on our sin. It cuts it away and removes it from us. So we don't have to think about it anymore. If you have a guilty conscience because of sin, uh, it's either because you're not a Christian or because you don't fully understand that Christ's sacrifice was the final sacrifice for sin. You know, people beat themselves up uh, over things that happened years ago that Christ has totally forgiven them for. And, and then people end up punishing themselves. They punish themselves through food. Some people punish themselves by cutting. Some people try to pay God back with good deeds. In the U.S., uh, Senator Ted Kennedy recently died. And, you know, he was, in the 1960s, he was involved in, in a scandal in which he was responsible for the death of a young girl, a young lady. And it was a huge scandal at the time, and, and he apologized. He never got in any real trouble for it. But there was a guilt in his heart. And so, and at the end of his life, he ended up saying that everything that he did after that day, after that night, he felt like he was trying to pay back because he felt responsible for the life of that girl that he took, trying to make up for the wrong that he had done. But I'm thankful that, that Jesus' sacrifice frees us from a guilty conscience because it completely takes away our sin. 
And it's the last sacrifice that needed to be made. And you know, some people say, I know God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. Really? You have a higher standard than God does? Where have you put yourself? Humble yourself and by faith, receive his forgiveness. That's the first benefit. It's the final sacrifice. The second is that it was a fitting sacrifice. It was an appropriate sacrifice. It was, Jesus was not a bull or a goat, okay? Jesus had a specially prepared body that would be acceptable to God because it was made by God. Verse 5, he says, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. A body that would bring humans back to God. And this is one of the reasons that Jehovah's Witnesses are, are so wrong. Um, because what they say is that Jesus was merely an angel and not God. Well, we didn't, we didn't need to be reconciled back to angels, did we? It's not the angels who are going to pour out wrath on us, right? It was God. And so we needed to be made right with God. So God came in the flesh as a man named Jesus. And it was this unique body that was prepared, specifically made to take the sins of the world on him. When I was at Word of Life, I always used to ask questions, like really nerdy uh, technical questions about you know, how Jesus died on the cross and, and why did it take six hours to die? Why, why couldn't it have been accomplished in three hours or two hours or four hours or one second? You know, why, why was it six hours? You know, questions that we will never have the answer to. Um, I'm going to give you an answer anyway. <laughs> like, what was the rate of sin transferred from the world onto Jesus? You know, how many sins per second were being transferred on it? Was he taking on to himself? These are real questions that I had that I asked. Um, and I never got my answer. I never really understood until we were going through the book of Hebrews uh, and we came across this verse. And it said, but a body you have prepared for me. This verse we see that this body was perfectly made to be the exact sacrifice to die in the exact way that God desired and required. We don't need to worry if there was anything wrong with it or if it wasn't good enough because it was made by God. So the sacrifice is final, it is fitting, and it was made by Christ's free will. Jesus wasn't some dumb animal being led to the slaughter, just thinking it's another typical day thinking his boss was taking him for a stroll and then having no idea what happened when his throat is slit. He's alive one minute and dead the next minute and he had no idea what happened. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He was walking in total obedience to God. He chose to be betrayed and punched and stripped naked and tortured and whipped and spiked and stabbed and crowned and crucified. He knew it was coming and he chose to do it. Why would he do that? Because he had to? Because God forced him to? Because he didn't really understand what was going on? No, Jesus knew exactly what was going on. The Bible makes it clear that this was something Jesus agreed to do. 
He says, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He chose to do it with the full understanding that we would be what he received because of his obedience. Finally, Jesus' sacrifice is a full sacrifice. It fully covers our sin. It covers all of our sin. You might be tempted to think that Jesus' sacrifice, yeah, it was the final sacrifice because there haven't been any others after or since, but it really only covers so much. Maybe you think it had certain limitations, certain boundaries that it doesn't cover. Maybe you think once you use up all your sin credits, then you're in trouble. God allows you a certain amount of sins under Jesus' sacrifice, but once you cross that limit, you're done. Or maybe you think that you get saved, you believe in Jesus, and then it's up to you to stay perfect. So many Christians deceive themselves into thinking that, that they can finish the work that Jesus started for them. So, so we clean ourselves up, make ourselves look real good, we put on our best clothes, we, we come to church, we, we give money, we help the needy, we, we dig our heels in and, and we stop sinning. And then we come to God and we say, look at me, do you like me now? Am I good enough for you now? But God has said that any good that we try to do is like filthy rags. You know, and when we say things like this, it makes religious people upset because we take away their reason for boasting in how good they are. You know, some, some people just need to feel better than other people. And so they, they count up all the ways that they are righteous and they compare to someone else. But when we compare ourselves to Jesus, we always fall short. The only access we have to God is through Jesus' sacrifice and nothing else. I don't care if you come to church in a tuxedo. God doesn't care because he looks at your heart, not the outside. He looks at whether or not you have accepted Jesus' sacrifice by faith. Because it's Jesus' righteousness that he sees and not your own. And so he declares that by Christ's sacrifice we are perfected. Verse 14 says, for all time. There's no limit on this sacrifice. This sacrifice was once for all. It says, by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. You say, I don't feel perfect. I don't act perfect. Well, you're not. Remember, this is a substitutionary sacrifice. Christ took your place. And so God sees your perfection in Christ. Now you think, okay, okay, so I'm not perfect. But God sees me as perfect through Christ. So does that mean I can go and sin as much as I want? Hmm. No. It changes our motive for obedience. Our motive for obedience isn't to be accepted by God anymore. Our motive for obedience has nothing to do with trying to pay him back. Because you can't. Instead, now we obey 
and worship out of gratitude and thankfulness and love. We are no longer fearful servants who begrudgingly submit to God because we're afraid of what he'll do to us. Now we are joyful worshipers who celebrate Christ and what he has done to make us accepted by God forever, for all time. That's what we're going to do tonight. That's what the Lord's Supper is all about. Seeing the sacrifice of Christ for what it is and what it provides for us and remembering him with thankful hearts. The sacrifice completely takes away our sin. We won't have to do anything to be accepted by him. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you tonight remembering your sacrifice, realizing that it is because of our sin, but also thanking you that we don't have to have a guilty conscience. We don't have to make any more sacrifices to remind us that we are sinners. You made the final sacrifice, God. Lord, we know that we can only approach this table if we have placed our faith in that sacrifice. Lord, I pray for your spirit to work in the heart of anyone who may have been resisting, trusting you, not putting their faith in you. Lord, show them that this sacrifice is only a a win-win situation for them, that it frees them from a guilty conscience, it gains them acceptance by you, and that we no longer have to strive to win your approval, but we are accepted in Christ. Lord, we know we do not approach this table with sin in our hearts. So, Lord, we are going to take this time to examine our own hearts, examine our lives, to see if there be uh, any, any sin that we are holding on to. Let's do that now. Let's take a few minutes, just look in our own hearts to examine if there's any sin. It may not even be a blatant sin where you got angry at someone or you lusted for someone, although those do count. Maybe it's an idol. Maybe it's an idol of the heart. Maybe you worship beauty. Maybe you have worshiped security. Maybe you have worshipped approval of others. Confess those things in your heart. Confess them to God. Take a moment.